Hello, boys and girls, and thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Tell you what, we're ticking away. We're almost into almost into May. May will bring June, July, August. We're not that far away, ladies and gentlemen. We go from off-season at the Big Honker Lodge. This podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting. We're going to be number one. There you go. But we go from not doing much to August is here, and it's time to start getting everything completely ready for hunting season. We're right around the corner. So That's right. About 90 days away is all from first part of August. Pray for some rain. We're going to need some rain. Everybody in the Midwest does. Anyway, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters is our first one. If you need anything, any hunting. I've got one weekend of season. I can do a corporate group. I think it's September 23rd weekend opened. If you're looking for a corporate dove hunt, you can bring 20 guys out for $9,000 for the weekend. That's your guys completely at the lodge. Nobody else here. And that's the third weekend in September, I believe, is open. I moved that group to October, so I do have an opening I did not have until just last week. Anyways, that's stanfieldhunting.com. Also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. We've been with Dive Bomb from day one. Dive Bomb's been with us since about day three or four for them, but we are a great team. They make the best product out there. They, they by far have the best decoys on the market. They look great, affordable. I know a lot of people uh, are, you know, they, they pay attention to where they spend their money in the off season. If you got a little bit of extra cash, it does not hurt to buy a couple dozen dive bomb industry silhouettes. They've completely changed the game for Sandhill Crane hunting. Yes, yes. You can yes. make an affordable spread. You can get 10 dozen dive bomb Sandhill Cranes. You can hunt anywhere. And with not only with the dive bomb decoys, but then you can also use the Lucky Duck A-frame. That's right. Yeah. Everything is uh everything's connected. Uh, Lucky Duck has got the most comfortable A-frame on the market, fits four grown men. They got the best spinners and, uh, their dog crates, five-star crash test rated. And they got a big boy kennel for puppy like Lou. So, uh, check them out and they make great, great products. Love them. And our birthday boys, the boys that started their business the same time we did, the guys over at Boss Shot Shells. Boss Shot Shells. All American made company, copper plated bismuth, hits like a freight train, patterns excellently, and you are buying into the way of life. I mean, it is, they are, they pay attention to the heritage of waterfowl hunting, and that's what you're buying whenever you're getting bossed. No BS, and all if, results. If you're an old man like me in your mid 50s, up, and you grew up shooting lead shot sh- shotgun shells, then it's going back in time because it's just like shooting lead back in the day. Yeah, it's vicious. Grew up shooting, vicious. hunting, shooting ducks with lead sixes, and you can do the same with boss. And then, our, and then our friends over on the West Coast at Spokompton, Washington. Not for much longer. They're going to be moving here pretty soon. But, yes, right now they are in Spokompton, and they are full-fledged into turkey mode. They are – I think they even got a new box call out. So be looking forward to that. And uh, our video that we did where they came turkey hunting out here, our video is actually live right now. So check them out. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, it'll be on all social media plan, uh, social media channels. So, check it out. We talked to uh, Wary Tom's into coming over. Um, if you're hunting it, they got a call for it. Goose, duck, sandhill cranes, whatever you need. Check them out. PacificCustomCalls.com, and uh, the PCD is the best duck call in the market. So go buy it right now. And, ha- and if you're going to be hunting in water, you got to have some sheen gear waders. There's- yes, yes, very very comfortable. The boot is fantastic it's almost like slipping into a tennis shoe uh durable nylon fabric it's not going to rip easily um and they've got an amazing guarantee that they're going to stand behind their product for as long as you stand in them so 
If you have an issue with your shin gear waders, you just simply send them back. They'll take care of it. No questions asked, and they got a great turnaround time. So it's not like some companies where you have to um, buy several sets of waders so that you can have one. Not with them. They're going to fix it, and they're going to get it back to you. And how do we start every morning at the Big Honker Lodge? Dirty Duck Coffee. It is the way to go. Um, the guy has a damn General Lee car. Who would you not buy buy coffee from? That's about as American as you can get. That is. That is. So check them out at Dirty Duck Coffee, the Missouri Boat Ride blend you can't go wrong with. Smooth, smooth sweet-tasting blend, and it'll get your motors up and running every single morning. That's how we start our day. And so they will be at Squad Fest. I don't know if they'll have the General Lee with them at Squad Fest, but they did have them at Ducks, and maybe they will have it at Squad Fest. But anyways, check them out at DirtyDuckCoffee.com. And then the boys over at Looking Glass Duck Club. Logan and Rebel, they're hilarious individuals. Um, they have a Patreon account. You donate money to it every month, and then you're you're granted unlimited access to their entire library of episodes. And uh, i tell you what, they're hilarious. Um, it is not for the faint of heart, and it is definitely not for children, but neither is this one. So, you know. Don't listen with kids around. But they are a lot of fun. Great guys. I hunt with them every year, and they're just as funny in person as they are on the radio. So I highly recommend you go check them out. Check them out on Patreon. Pay the monthly subscription, and away you go. Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Logan and Rebel. And then our good friend Alex Langbill. Gundog Outdoors. Uh, the quick release system is something that I think every dog owner should have. There's no sense in not tethering your dog and making sure that Fido does not leave your side until you are ready for him to leave your side. You clip it on there, but it's got a little pulley that you, you pull the pull the string, un, unhooks from the dog, dog goes away, comes back, hook it back up. The dog stays where you want him to all of the time. No accidents. I don't care how highly qualified your dog is. All it takes is one accident and you're having a totally different morning. So, it's, uh, it's cheap, goes straight to your door. Alex designed it himself. Quickly system, get it. Uh, they also have leashes. They've got collars. They've got a stainless steel dog bowl. Listen, dog bowls can get nasty. Uh, the stainless steel bacteria can't grow in it. So I highly recommend you getting that for your pooch. And um, he's got these little little bitty leashes that are about three feet long. They're great. Because if you're out walking your dog in a public setting, you don't want a 20-foot leash that's got rope going everywhere. Get you a little three-foot check cord, and uh, don't worry about all the excess crap. Check them out, Gun Dog Outdoors. And if you're going to be hunting in an A-frame or a pit blind, or you're going dove hunting, there's no sense to be sitting on a bucket anymore. Mm-mm. Not out. without outdoor specialties. Mm-mm. The Stanfield stool. Maker of the Stanfield stool, sturdy bottom, uh, comfortable chair, swivels. With uh, a backrest. With a backrest. So if you're even if you're dove hunting, you can take the Stanfield stool out, swivel around. It's not going to improve my shooting any, but I'll at least be comfortable while I'm dove hunting. Um, they can make anything. I mean, they're just a tool company that you get an idea, you send it over to them, and they can make it. Uh, you tell them about the Stanfield stool, and they can definitely ship that out to you. But it's a comfortable little 
comfortable little invention that they've got. When 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 you're a big boy and you sit on a bucket, it's hard, hard on the ass. Them little skinny guys like you, Andy, you got to ask got to fall inside the bucket sometimes. Yeah, but I I sit on a bucket every. I have sat on a bucket every day, and it is not comfortable. It's hard on the knees. It's hard on the back. It's hard on the butt. I am going to be sitting in a Stanfield stool every day, even if I'm the only one in the blind sitting in a Stanfield stool. It is going to be me. Alpha Outdoor Specialties. And when your night's over and you sit down to a cocktail. Nice bang tail whiskey. Oh, it's delicious. He's finally got glass bottles. Here we are two years into the pandemic. Glass bottles are hard to find. Brandon has weathered the storm. He's bottling his whiskey and shipping it all over the place. So um, if you see bang tail whiskey in your local liquor store, be sure and grab it. It's delicious. Uh, Brandon has uh, perfected the... Brandon has got the perfect blend of scented notes and all that other good stuff that goes goes into a good whiskey. Brandon's got it going on at Bangtail Whiskey. Uh, you can order it, and I think it'll ship straight to your door. So check them out, bangtailwhiskey.com, and let them know that the Big Honker Podcast guy sent you. That's all of them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Mr. Ryan Lonegren from the great state of Wisconsin. He is a former... Army National Guard veteran, and he actually helps veterans coming over um, back from their time overseas. He helps them transition uh, back into civilian life. So uh, he's actually the uh, Northeast Wisconsin uh, Veteran of the Year. So very cool to have him on. He's also got a podcast, Frag Out Podcast, where you can uh, listen to more stories. Um, Great guy, great man, and uh, he really is doing an incredible work with – people that need it the most so that's our that's our veterans we hope you enjoy it here he is ryan lonegren Podcast brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey and Pacific Calls. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. And real quick before we get started, um, if you have not heard, Mr. Trevor Austin's dad, Bill, passed away uh, over the weekend. So our thoughts and prayers are with all of those at uh, Pacific Calls. They're a great group of guys through this podcast. They have uh, they become very very close to us, and you know we vacation with Trevor and his wife and. Uh, it was too early for sure. So our thoughts and prayers are with them, and uh, we hope that you would keep them in your thoughts and prayers. So anyway, you're all you're all flustered now. I'm just, I'm worked up this morning. With us today, I didn't even ask you what town you're in, Ryan. Just the great state of Wisconsin, Cheddarhead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boston I accent. I mean, yeah. So I live in the town of Brilliant, Wisconsin. And where is that exactly? From Green Bay, because that's the only town that I know of. Yep, so literally 20, 25 minutes straight south. Oh, you're by the Not Bean too- Snapper. Uh, I think so. The Strip Maybe. Club. Yep, there's many of them. Oh, that's that's. there's more than one Bean Snapper? 
I think there might be. Yeah. Oh. oh. That's the only thing I know is before you get to the Green Bay, there's big billboards. Come to the Bean Snapper. Come. And I thought that is the coolest name for a strip club I've ever seen in my life. Never been there. Yeah. You got to go to Oval Office. That's even better. Oh. I haven't been to a strip club in 30 years probably. I just – I'd rather waste my money at a casino. It is hotter than Satan's breath in here already. It's not that hot. I am burning up. It is. We are hitting triple, triple, triple digits. It, it's going. It's. It was 111 yesterday. Yeah. All-time record for May, whatever the hell it is. Eighth. And today it's going to be 110 again. We don't have a chance of rain nowhere. I was telling Ryan before, it looks like the Serengeti here. It's dry. Gra- grass is brown everywhere. Stock market's crashing, and it's fucking Monday. What a week to start. <laughs> So what, Ryan, what a week! Hey, before we get started, uh, do you pay attention to the Packers? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you think about uh, their whole situation? Devontae leaving. Do you like the draft pick? You know, I'm kind of in, like an indifferent uh, Packer fan. I I support the organization, and I don't get wrapped around the axles too much. I think uh, a lot of people spend uh, or they invest too much time into this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and they get, and it's, it's, I understand that you have your desires, but at the same time though, you also don't run a multi-million dollar organization. So, and they, they've been doing this a lot longer. So, I mean, I love, I love everything about the draft this year. I, I'm always very optimistic and I think that's probably our downfall as Packer fans <laughs> is that we're always overly optimistic about everything. And I've actually met Aaron Rodgers, and I've actually hung out with him for half a day, uh, and a bunch of other Packer fans. And he's actually an incredible human. We've had really, we had a really good philosophical conversation about uh, about life and mental health. Uh, he's 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 actually a really nice dude. Uh, so, but uh, so is Bakhtiari and uh, Aaron Jones. So, uh, great organization, and I love uh, I love going to games. How did you How did you get to meet all these people? Was this something through like a, a, a veterans program? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, they they coordinated. It was called Huddle for Heroes, and it was a local thing for local veteran leaders. And we had no idea what the what the event was going to be. We just knew that there was going to be some Packers. So usually, when you go to something like that, you're thinking of like third string injured reserve or like some <laughs> alumni that you've never even. Yeah, there's Jeff Stanfield. Uh, oh, Who the fuck's I, he? <laughs> I, I played on the Packers in 1978. Oh, cool man. That's all. I wasn't even born. Right. Um, but uh, we showed up and. There's uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Balaga, uh, Jeremy Graham when he was here. Um, just a handful of players. Uh, Danny Vitale. Um, we walk in and we just get to hang out with them, play video games at this place. So hung out with them was awesome. Really? That is yeah, badass. Cool. And they don't yeah. and, and they just half of their day. They're just like, we're just going to fucking hang out with these people. Yeah. So it was uh, November 5th, 2019. And I remember the date because that was actually the 10th anniversary of my buddy Aaron that died in Afghanistan. Uh, so I actually carry his picture uh, with me every day on November 5th and his birthday, April 12th. And so it was the 10th anniversary of my buddy Aaron dying. And I, I actually have a picture of me uh, with Aaron Rodgers holding the picture of my buddy Aaron. And I refer to it as the day that Aaron met Aaron. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sent that picture to his family. And I told him that I had something going on today, but I didn't know what it was. And I sent that picture of Aaron Rodgers holding the picture of my friend Aaron. And it became a pretty significant uh, piece of history, uh, personal history for me, mm-hmm. uh, sharing that story of Aaron to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. So, so a- Aaron Rodgers was a very nice man is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. See, that, oh, yeah. that that's good because people don't ever hear that stuff. All they hear is the the, the diva part, the diva part of it yeah. and stuff. But. 
So he was a so he would he he's a good person then I, that makes me feel proud for him. He sh- he shared a really personal story about his grandfather that was uh, in World War II that was shot down and I have the video of him talking about his grandfather. Obviously, it, this all happened before he was born. Um, but the, if you ever watch Pat McAfee with Aaron Rodgers, um, the way that he talks to Pat McAfee and those guys, that's literally how he talks. He talked to me mm-hmm. and everybody else, and it was just he's a very smart, intelligent, uh, quick witted. And he loves good sense of humor and sarcasm. And that's it was like, OK, well, my sarcasm is my hug. So that's how that's how I hug people is with sarcasm. So and, and I think that is why so many people have a hard time. They don't know how to take Aaron Rodgers because sarcasm is kind of a lost art in today's society with, you mm-hmm. know, text mess. Everything is is you read what people are saying rather than you don't interact with a lot of most people don't interact with people on a one on one let's have a conversation, let's have a dialogue. So sarcasm is kind of a lost art, and I think that might be why a lot of people don't really know how to take Aaron Rodgers because he is sarcastic, and he's so fucking, he's smart, and he's sharp as a whip. And, you know, we could go off on a tangent on that. Most people are pretty fucking dull. I'm going to tell you right now, I consider myself to have above average IQ. Mm -hmm. I don't like stupid people. Now, I don't dislike them. I just have a hard time with stupidity common right. sense stuff and guys like him he gets it all the time it's kind of like teaching math mm-hmm. I, I understand math but i couldn't teach it because i don't understand why you don't fucking get it <laughs> you know what i mean and so that's the way he is with i'm sure things you know why can't you understand this right. shit it's he's, real too, simple. he's too smart to bingo talk to... and so when he deals with people and they're they're underneath and i shouldn't say underneath that elon musk is that type of guy i think he understands quantum physics, and nobody else does. Right. And people that don't get it, he's probably like, why can't you understand what the hell I'm trying to explain to you? Right. And I think right. I think Aaron Rodgers is that way. Is that he's just smarter than most people asking him questions. And he don't impro- – but, but I do say this much for him. If you notice, his teammates don't ever trash him. No. I mean, David Bakhtari, have you ever heard him say anything bad about him? No, I was too busy trying to get Anna Kendrick's phone number from David because he was in <laughs> Pitch Perfect. But people don't. So. But he don't. But but I'm saying Aaron Rodgers is a lot better of a teammate than the media gets you to let you know, uh, yep. or everybody yep. on his team would rip on him. Yeah, nobody Nobody takes away. So tell us your story because you've got an amazing story. Man, you, you do a lot of things to help a lot of good people. The I t- I like yeah I like to think so. Um, I. I, I will preface it this, and I will start off warning everybody that I do believe uh, I suffer from imposter syndrome, so I don't really think all highly of myself, and my girlfriend and my, a lot of my f- close friends kind of get pissed off with me about all that, um, but uh, I, I don't know where to go, um, how to start this, so um, let's see, just born and raised Wisconsin, uh, when I was a little baby um, and a little younging, I, my mom lived in, uh, my mom and I lived in South America, um, and then, uh, but I'm Wisconsin, I'm a Wisconsin boy through and through, um, grew up in Milwaukee, Southeastern, Southeastern, uh, Wisconsin, most of my life. Um, I grew up without a dad, never met my dad ever. Um, so, uh, I have a younger brother, um, and then just kind of semi-active, uh, throughout grade school and high school, uh, kind of, uh, I was the most popular, unpopular person there was. Um, and then, uh, you were the most popular, unpopular person. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Is that like being the biggest asshole in a town? No, that was just the person you'd never invited to parties or ever do anything like ever. Um, so that, yeah. So, but I mean, it was awesome. I mean, 
I just kind of found myself it, like really early on. I, I really knew who I was. I I was fascinated growing up with uh, Monster Garage and Jesse James, and I wanted to weld, and I thought welding was going to be like the biggest part of my life, uh, and that's what I wanted to do after high school. The military was never even on, wasn't ever really on my compass, um, and then I realized uh, like junior senior year that college is super expensive and a single parent can't afford college, so. Um, I decided I have to do something for myself, and I, I did dedicated myself to joining the military. So I joined the Wisconsin Army National Guard as an infantryman in 2006, right before graduation, about a month-ish before graduation, uh, two months before graduation. I went to the school for wayward boys at Fort Benning, Georgia, the home of the infantry, uh, school of the infantry, and uh, was there for three months, uh, came home, uh, was in my unit. Uh, it was a reconnaissance surveillance target acquisition unit. Uh, I didn't re really know what that meant until I got there. Uh, and it was just awesome dudes, really, really cool uh, leaders, uh, just giants of men that I thought were just incredibly uh, gifted at their job. And I absorbed that like a sponge. And that's what I did with the military. I absorbed everything. I retained things that I just still don't re remember why or or I don't know why I remember everything. Um, and uh, then uh, went to Iraq in 2009 uh, in southern Iraq, Basra, Umm Qasar. I was stationed at Camp Bukha. Uh, when I was there, um, I was in the theater internment facility, which is the fancy word for prison. Uh, so there was detainees. Uh, these were these were the worst of the worst. These were Mujahideen, Taliban, Al Qaeda. Um, and actually, if you look it up, I can send you the link. So, uh, Camp Buka was actually the birthplace of ISIS really? because what happened <laughs> yeah, in, 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 uh, in the great wisdom of the U S government, they thought that having all of these individuals from different types of, uh, terrorist organizations mixed together was a good idea. And that's how they, that's how they created ISIS is well, that it was just basically, it was a free networking event. Yeah, let me ask you this, too, because that's also that can be like an indoctrination on the prison system. Like if you look at prison, we put the worst of the worst and they're all there together and they commingle. And then a lot of times the bonds that are formed in these prison systems spills over out into the real world. So, I mean, it's, <coughs> it's a it's a double edged sword. Like at one point you want to keep these bad people out of civilization, but like all they're doing is networking and getting stronger and, and they figure out where they fucked up, you know, because they're just talking to other prisoners and like, oh, well, this is how I got caught and this is how I got caught. And they just become better criminals. How do you spell, yep. how do you spell Buka? B-U-C-C-A. So let me ask you this. When you watch a, a movie and it shows us when we've got the the camel guys down there. And this, the, do y'all really blare like Van Halen music loud all day, 24-7 Five finger death punch. And stuff like that, or is that like just, at the like, like at, at the prisoners? Yeah, like when they're trying to when you're trying well, to interrogate like the them and shit. System. Or is that is that just TV shit? That's just TV shit. Okay, I always wondered about. Yeah, that. but there was there was a there was a guy. He wasn't part of our unit, but there was somebody that grabbed the like the megaphone the mic megaphone that you could you know the handheld megaphone, and he uh, started singing the national anthem in the middle of their prayer. Oh. So that, <laughs> uh, and remember, they they pray five times a day. So oh, when it sunrise, sunset, and well, sunrise, and then like middle of the day, and then there's like three other times, and so sometimes if you're hanging out with them all day, you'll see them pray all the time. 
And then you then you watch them separate too because you got Sunnis and Shias mixed together, which is not a good idea. Right? Yeah, they don't they don't jive. This is what's interesting. I pull up Camp Buka on Wikipedia, and the first thing first thing it talks about is abuse in the prison system. Uh Fuck them fuckers. They're trying to kill our guys, and we're worried about cut their fucking legs off. You know, I I mean I just I don't care. I, I'm tired of us. We kissing everybody's ass all the time, and we damn sure shouldn't be kissing a damn out ISIS guy's asses. That's bullshit. Anyways, going to your point, they just that's the first thing it talks about is how we abuse them, the prisoners. Yeah. Um, well, so there was when we got there, there was a lot of uh, carryover from Abu Ghraib. So Abu Ghraib was not a good uh, thing, and it was not a good uh, um, image for the U.S. military in general because. What happened is that the the U.S. military did not have a doctrine for prisoners, so we kind of just they they hodgepodge stuff together, and that's why there was abuse is because there was nothing to go off. There was no there was nothing written down to how to how to handle detainees. Um, so we had all those they had all that abuse at Abu Ghraib, and then so when we got there, we were just we were it was so ingrained in us on how to treat these uh, individuals. Um, in the prison system and or the TIF, the theater internment facility. Um, uh, so we had to operate on what we called care, custody, and control. And uh, a lot. Of, I'm not going to lie to you. There was a, there was an individual. There was a detainee that actually got a laptop and an iPod because he was providing information of uh, stuff that was going on in the prison. I'm not kidding you. That that is really? a true story. So he was yeah. given valuable inf- valuable enough information that he got a. So he was kind of like a CI. He was a CI for sure, uh, confidential informant. Yeah. Um, so he was narking on everybody else, and then. Uh, but you got to remember, they're master manipulators. So they're manipulating that their prisoner, their fellow prisoners, and then on top of it, they're manipulating U.S. Like um, they would be able to get information out of prison guards, uh, like U.S. prison guards. Like yeah. there was one guy that was like just. There was another U.S. soldier that was just diarrhea of the mouth, and he shared so much about himself. By the end of his shift. His wife got a call from someone in Iraq that was going to threaten to kill his entire family. Jesus. So, like, you had to just, just, just like, kindly just, you got to shut the fuck up sometimes. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes. Um, so, there'll be some just, soldier just giving his f- ex wife's name out. Social security <laughs> right, number yeah, and everything. Right. Yeah, my ex wife, so she's a real bitch. Jo- Let me see where she lives. <laughs> My uh, my job there was uh, in the in uh, the in internment holding area. So we actually all processed well over seven thousand detainees in a three month period. So my job specifically in this uh, holding area was to uncuff them. So I actually have a Army Achievement Medal, which actually means nothing now. Um, but I got I actually uncuffed over seven thousand detainees. Um, so I went hands on was 7,000 detainees in a three-month period. Um, so these were the worst of the worst. You you know, they uh, they would carry their Quran uh, as a way of fucking with you because you're not actually not allowed to touch the Quran. Um, and, you know, we had to follow the G- Geneva Convention rules and stuff like that, so I'd have to figure out a way to take their cuffs off without touching their Quran. If I didn't, if I touched it, they'd get all mad. Uh, they would do this, like, thing like that, kind of like you're, you're doing something wrong. Or so then we got smart and we just brought a table and we made them put the Quran on the table. Right. Uh, so we didn't have to uh, you know, deal with that. Um, so let me ask you this. Is there anything in the Geneva Convention that protects Christians and if they were holding their Bible? So uh, I have no. no idea. I have no idea. I couldn't answer that. But there was Christians that I dealt with and uh, they were actually segregated from these other uh, sects. 
So you had the Sunnis and the Shiites, and uh, there was a Christian actually that got his eyeball ripped out by one of these uh, groups because he didn't convert to Islam. Um, so it's uh, it's a it's a nasty place, man. Did, um, did you ever see any Americans? Because for a while there, we had heard of like Americans that were going over there to join ISIS and and this. Did you ever see any Americans that had gone over there and gotten tangled no, up? No, there there was this there was this Iraqi that was like. He was a white dude for sure. Like he was like he looked. He reminded me of like Robin Williams. Like that's really? how that's how white he was. And I was like, that guy's a CIA operative. There's no way he's Iraqi. <laughs> like, but sure, sure as shit, he was 100 percent Iraqi. I was just like, I look. I always stare at him. I'm just like, he looked like a eighth grade science teacher. You really? know what I mean? From back home, yeah. I was just like, no, oh, he's Iraqi. So it, I guess he was like Russian or something like that from a long from a long time ago. Maybe couldn't I'm tell. Sure. I don't he, know. He was like forty or fifty years old, so really? I, I don't. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. What's cra- um, What's crazy about that is, though, um, ISIS will pull or whoever the hell they are, they're going to pull anything they can to make sure we don't do anything to harm them. Don't touch my Quran. Don't do this. Don't do that. The same time, these same fucking people are putting people in cages and setting them on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any respect or for the Christians or anybody else. It just it just amazes me. It's like if you're gay in Saudi Arabia, they're going to throw you off of a fucking building. And I just I just that, that those people don't care about nobody but themselves and the way they're doing. But they'll use the system to make sure they're not disrespected on their crap. I think our prisons have to have a special fucking meal for Muslims now. You know, bread yeah. and water yeah. should should hit the marks for everybody. We weren't we weren't allowed to uh, give them food. It had to come from. Uh, 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 a Muslim, we couldn't give them the food because otherwise it would be uh, considered like spoiled or you know uh, tainted because I'm not uh, a Muslim. So we had someone else give them the food. Just and then that's just a true story. Um, but uh, a lot of my a lot of the issues that I have post services from those seven thousand detainees. I mean, just you know they wanted to kill me. They wanted to chop my head off. You know, I had pee and uh, you know uh, shit thrown at me and spread on me and um i had to you know search their bodies for contraband um i found you know so contraband it could be anything weapons or non-weapons uh so the searches got so in-depth i found a so if they're not allowed to have a watch only one person's allowed to have a watch so i wear a watch they would wrap it around their dick because mm-hmm. they don't think that we were going to search there so we would actually search everywhere uh we would make them spread their cheeks everything and so I found a cock watch is what we call it, a cock watch. And uh, so it's a true story. It's absolutely true. Um, so I would have uh, to have, I'd have to get like a kid's watch. From Walmart I was, I was thinking I need a little Mickey Mouse Timex. <laughs> Couldn't get a Rolex or a fossil. On I'm a grower, yeah. not a shower. <laughs> so the, we, we, we know that the, uh, all the contraband was coming in from the uh, Iraqi correction officers. They were pretty, they were pretty uh, uh, flawed and they, we knew that they were bringing shit into these detainees. So, we had to counter it somehow. Um, so, but then if I wasn't in the pri- if I wasn't in the in the prison, I was on the facility engineer team. So I actually was in college two years prior to this deployment for welding, maintenance and fabrication, and robotic welding and uh, pipe welding. So I actually got to be on an engineer team, and we built things. We built a water tower. We built gates. We built a school. Um, we repaired stuff. And I was an infantry guy. Like I was, I was like, this is a non typical infantry mission. 
And I actually really liked it. Like, believe it or not, like I was, this is actually pretty cool. And I think the biggest thing in the veteran community, especially vets, it's like, I'm going to tell you both guys right now. It's like, when I meet other vets, I love helping vets. This is what I've dedicated the last 15 years of my life to do is helping vets in the state of Wisconsin and throughout the country. But I'll tell people all the time, I don't care what you did or didn't do in the military. All I care about is how are you using that experience to benefit, to help your friends, family, community, and yourself. Uh, You'll get all these vets that will be puffy chested. You know, I did this and blah, blah, blah. Like, you see that ring? I right. threw 15 touchdowns, 1987. Yeah, <laughs> nobody really cares, bro. Nobody right. nobody really cares. And um, I I absolutely love uh, my vets, and uh, it's uh, it's been a lifelong passion. So you were you were basically the first point of contact for these prisoners in, in the prison system. I mean, you were you were the first one that they were greeted by. Yeah, I was the first one that was greeted by in the uh, internment holding area because like that's where when they were getting ready to leave Buka because we were shutting down Buka and they would come to me and I take their cuffs off. So I had to learn uh, slang Arabic and introduce myself and build rapport the best I can with a terrorist. Yes. And then they I mean, when you look at them, what is what is it that you see? Do you see just pure hatred on their end or do you see where the fuck am I right now? Mm-hmm. combination yeah. of everything like what what is e- every, it that you see everything everything uh pure hatred so most of them wore yellow jumpsuits yellow was basically uh, gen pop right if they had a green jumpsuit that was that was segregation and then if they had an orange jumpsuit that was death row um so uh so they all kind of were mixed kind of mismatched um so uh, I got one guy that came up to me. He was a Christian in segregation because if you were a Christian, they had to segregate you. Otherwise, they would kill you. Um, and he came up to me, and he's like, they would call you chief or sergeant. So they come up to you and be like, chief, chief, sergeant, sergeant, mm-hmm. are you Christian? You know what I mean? And I'd just be like, no, I, I believe in voodoo. And he's, he got all weird, and he kind of walked off. So, But, I mean, you have to kind of – they're going to give it to you, so you have to kind of give it, give it, give it back just slightly more, mm-hmm. you know, so – but they always look perplexed. They are always they always played dumb. Actually, I actually met Saddam Hussein's cousin, Chemical Ali. Chemical Ali, if you look up Chemical Ali, he bombed the Kurds back in the late 80s, early 90s, I think it was, and killed 60, 70,000 men, women, and children with chemical war, chemical weapons. So he came through my line, and I'm like, man, he looks familiar. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, platoon sergeant comes up to me and shows me the deck of cards Forgive me, I don't remember what card he was, but uh, he was on there. I'm like, no shit, that's Saddam Hussein's cousin. And then he ended up dying. They actually killed him. They executed him like January, right right before I think they executed Saddam. Would they perform these executions at this place or would they have to go to another facility to perform the execution? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. The, I think all that stuff was off, off-site, black, you know, blacklisted site. And... and uh, the U.S. government will tell you that all those executions were done by the Iraqi government, not the U.S. government, from what I remember. But if they had a certain colored jumpsuit on, you knew they were destined for was hanging? That's how they killed Saddam. How'd they kill other people? Was I would assume hanging. hanging. I, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I wasn't pervy to that kind of stuff. But and there was court, though. There was a court on Buka, so they would... They would try these individuals with an Iraqi judge and stuff like that. So I didn't get to sit in the courtrooms, um, but... uh they were tried, so it was it was all real. Yeah, I'm telling you what, you got to have a set of balls to be a judge or a prosecutor Ooh. in a third world country to execute the ex leaders of that place. Because you know damn yeah. well 
you're you, you've got a target on your ass anyways because there's a lot of people i bet you right now you could go and there's still people that would support hussein if he was in prior again he Be- was a great le- i mean he was a great leader for half of the muslim population wasn't he well they loved him yeah he was uh well they i mean it was a fear it was a fear-based ideology right you know so they if you if you didn't support him they would kill you you got to remember the bath party was his party so the bath party was a regime and if you didn't support them if you spoke ill they would just execute you that's why they that's why iraqis are afraid of handguns because they would execute everybody with a handgun and uh so that's that so when u.s soldiers would walk around and they had handguns they would respect you because they were afraid of handguns really so the bath party was the bath party was brutal absolutely brutal um and uh i, I yeah i mean not a lot of people, uh, you know, like our interrogators, they absolutely straight up hated Saddam. Um, you know, a lot of them had, you know, family members killed and murdered from him. And um, it was just, he wasn't a very, wasn't a very nice person. So well, I'm glad that we got him, we got rid of him. I yeah. wonder if the standard print for running a Muslim country would be like to be like Dahab, what do they call it? Uh Oh shit! The the one that's got all the money right now, where everybody goes there. Uh, hmm? God dang it! God, I can't think of the damn name of the part where the fix have the big golf tournaments, where they have the golf tournament and stuff. Daha uh, oh, What the fuck? What the fuck am about? I trying to think golfer. of? Uh, so where the biggest I'm the biggest golfer, buildings yeah. in the world are there? They made the Abu islands. Dhabi? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. 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 Uh, Abu Dhabi. What the hell was I trying to say? Daha Habi. Yeah, it's Abu Dhabi. I'm getting old, I guess. Abu Dhabi in Saudi Arabia. Both sure. places have tons of oil, tons of money. The United States government protects them, but I don't think they're real shitholes to live in. I've never been over there, and I'm sure there's some shitty neighborhoods, but it seems like the quality of life is pretty good over there. They say the most freak. The I have never been there, but I, my, one of my buddy's uh, sisters, she she actually lived there for like ten years. She used to run like the Texas Roadhouse in Abu Dhabi. Um, and, uh, so the, the most common car driven there are Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. In Texas Roadhouse, so they have good bread and cinnamon butter there and their salads are good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And fish, because you got to remember, uh, some of the, the beef and uh, stuff like that is uh, religious stuff too. And pork too. Yeah. They can't have pork over there. Nope. No, nope. no, no pork. It's no pork. Un- unclean. Um, did did you ever run into anybody that had any uh, interactions with Saddam Hussein? Any of your oh, yeah. fellow soldiers? Oh, yeah. What was did, yeah. did any of them talk like what he was like uh, on a one on one level? Not not fellow soldiers, just uh, detainees and yeah. uh, our inter- our interpreters. And I actually met one of his generals. He came through my line. Um, I found a letter of uh, jihad in his pocket. He wrote a letter about how he wants to kill all the Americans on base, and then. So we had to separate him from the pack, and uh, he had it. He actually had it sewn in between a blanket. So we took the blanket and we put it up to the uh, to the uh, the the light all the generated light. We held we held the blanket up, and you can see a letter in between the fabric, and we and we had it in we had it uh, translated right there on the spot because we had like uh, interpreters that worked for the State Department and other government agencies, <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, this guy wants to kill Americans. We'd be like, oh well. Well, great. We should we should probably put them somewhere. Um, why do they write uh, it down? That, why 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 do they have to have a letter? You gotta you gotta have that you gotta have that terrorist clout. Dog. Is that like you know is that I mean? like flexing over here? Is that like an Instagram post or something over here to like virtue signaling? Is that what it is? You gotta write it down. If it's not written down, it's not real. What the fuck? 
it was 09, man. Twitter Twitter wasn't really a big thing in 09, right? <laughs> it doesn't make so. any it doesn't make any sense. Like that's just you're just asking for for shit. You're coming your way whenever somebody finally finds that. You know though, they don't you care just, because that's a code of honor to them to be put to death. I mean that that's what they want. They want to be down. Do you think that there will ever be peace over there? When the world ends. Mm. I don't I, I think that question is loaded, uh, respectfully. I think is there gonna be peace in general in around the world? You know what I mean? No. Um there never has and, been though. No, there's never has been. And, you know, obviously I, I'm not a war junkie. I, I actually, I, I don't think war is a good thing in, in, in any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know what's going on in Ukraine and uh, right now, and um, you know now that I'm a dad, I wasn't a dad back then, and I was kind of just so I was too close to the trees to see the forest a, right. as a human. And um, now that I'm a dad, and I look at all these things that are going on, it's just <laughs> war is not war is not necessarily a good thing. Is it necessary at times? Uh, I you know I think that's subjective. Um, and, uh, but sometimes, you know, we're always going to need people to pull triggers straight into the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of really good friends that were, you know, up there on the tip of the spear doing that kind of work. And I was just a army national guardsman from Waterford, Wisconsin in the prisons, you know, face to face with some of the most nastiest people that have ever walked this earth. And, um, you know, some, I, I believe that, uh, you know, I, I hope. I mean, isn't that? I don't think hope is a bad thing, but it'd be nice to kind of just go through life without having to worry about people being a bully. I don't like bullies. So, but what is it over there? Why? Why do they hate us? Why do they hate just everybody else so much? The religion teaches yeah. them that. Is it's, it? Is it? It's, Islam? Sh- it's Sharia law. Yeah, it's Sharia law. Yeah, Sharia hmm. law. It just teaches yeah, so the sure. hatred of the Sunnis and the Shiites are always going to be fighting one another, and they hate uh, the Americans. They hate Christians. Their Bible yeah. teaches you to get to kill your have enemies. You read, have you read their Bible? A little bit of it, I have. Have you read that part? Yes. It said right there, it so, said, Jeff, listen, read right here, fat ass. Okay. Muslims I'm just making, hate, I'm just making sure Christians. that you're not. I read a book on the history of the Koran, and I read it. Gary Schnabel, a pastor in town, gave it to me, and it was pretty fascinating. But their Bible, their beliefs are, is that you're supposed to kill your enemy, or our beliefs are you're supposed to forgive your enemy. If you want to get rid of the problems over there, what you need to do is supply them with nuclear weapons. But here's the here's the deal. A nuclear weapon, they'll only shoot a mile. And eventually they will just blow each other all the hell and it will all go away. But they are never going to be a peaceful place. And as long as we have people in our country and other countries that supposedly are Christian nations that have guys that can send someone else to do their dirty work, We'll be the same way because we're going to be battling things we don't really need to fight. And I think in history, a thousand years from now, we're going to find out that most all the conflicts the United States have been in since World War II, we were covering for someone's ass in the government that was doing something shady. And I really believe that. <clears throat> Long-winded, Jeff. Well, that's the way I feel about things. I feel sorry for our soldiers. I appreciate everything you've done for us. But it's boys like you, and you're not a boy no more. But you know what I mean? When you were a young man, we they send you off to do a dirty job and a dirty deal that we didn't have to do. And and, and it's horrible because everything we do to fix over there gets, as soon as we leave, it turns to shit. I saw where Afghanistan yesterday, now all the women have to be covered up 100% again. Well, yeah, that's just, that's just, uh, that's Sharia yes, law. Yes, exactly. You know, and... Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I agree with what, you know, what you said about, uh, 
you know, it was a kind of a you know, war is a dirty deal. But uh, most of my friends, uh, I don't know a single fellow vet that uh, wouldn't tell you that they wouldn't do it again. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, I would definitely do it again in a heartbeat. Um, and it's a product of opportunity. I don't think people fully understand that when you join the military, you don't get to choose where you go and how you do it in your mission. It's all a product of opportunity. Um, obviously, I joined the military as an infantry guy to, to bring the fight to the enemy and shoot people in the face. And that's not what I did overseas. I, I had a different had a different mission, and I'm I'm okay with that. Um, uh, you know, and uh, I actually have a really good friend uh, that was a Delta operator that was actually there the night they caught Saddam Hussein. Uh, really? Very good friend. Yeah. Um, so he was hiding in a, a hole, very, wasn't he? He was hiding in a hole, and the way that they caught him was just bananas. Um, so, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a very perplexing situation, and uh, you know, I uh, it's uh, it's thirteen years, twelve, thirteen years behind me, mm-hmm. and I just take everything that I learned from there, and I try to apply it to everything I'm doing now. So. Isn't, that, isn't that something? You know, you look at all these these great dictators and masterminds of destruction, Saddam Hussein, and you look at Hitler, and they they had. Thousands of people, they, they're responsible. Hitler, millions of people died under his regime. Th- hundreds of thousands under Saddam. And they were all hiding in a hole when they're in eventually came. You know, Hitler up, up there and well, they think he shot himself in the basement, I guess, or took a poison pill. And Saddam was hiding in a hole. Fuck they didn't it. even have the fucking courage to stand up and fight. But yet they would, you know, they're, they're agents of destruction. Drug cartel guys the same way. The end result's the same. But they're all hiding. Yeah. But they had all these people. They had all this bloodshed, and they weren't even. They didn't even have the the sack to stand up and fight when it was their turn to pick up a weapon. It's interesting to me. They're cowards. Most all of them. I wonder what the last great dictator was that. Probably Genghis Khan or somebody like that. Yeah, I don't know. So. Um, what uh, what was it that led to to your your PTSD? Was it the things that you saw in the prison system? Was it the things that you saw yourself having to do? What were what was the issue specifically? Yeah, it, it's the repetitiveness of just being hands on with uh, several over seven thousand detainees uh, and uh, the. Uh, <clears throat> just touching them mm-hmm. physically touching them over and over again you know think about that seven thousand i've seen enough iraqi ball sack and butthole to last me a lifetime <laughs> you know what i mean um right. or terrorist or terrorist ball sack and uh, uh stuff like that so it's that it's that it's being told that they're going to kill me and chop my head off and um the exposure uh, to everything um sometimes you know i live in the middle of bfe wisconsin so you know i got uh, farm fields and it gets hot. So uh, Iraq, where I, you know, Iraq smells like like a dumpster, straight up like a dumpster, like a like a uh, landfill. So sometimes I get that whiff. You know, and I have a landfill probably 15 minutes away from me in Appleton. So you know, there's a uh, sometimes there is uh, deja vu. There's you know sometimes I get back into that that mind frame. I smell things. Uh, diesel is a nasty nasty smell for me. Um, Just because the Humvees and stuff ran on it. Well, yeah, that and. So on on Camp Buka, there was only one hardball road. So that was that. Was, so we call hardball a paved road. There was right. only one paved road on the entire base, and that was the PT track. So it was basically a mile long, 
and that's where the convoys would come in. So you'd run past all of the uh, MRAPs and the Humvees and all the tanks, or not tanks, but uh, you know, mine-resistant vehicles and stuff like that, so you, or, the, or the semis. So you'd inhale all that. So people wonder, oh, wh- why do you have such bad lungs? Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, yeah, and then don't forget the incinerator that was right there, too. And our compound where I worked at was right next to the incinerator. So they're, they burned pretty much everything on base in the incinerator. Um, so it, it's it's all of that mixed into one. It's not just specifically the pr- the prison. It's it's everything bo- boiled up into one inside of me. Um, so, it, I mean, it's taken me, what are we at, 2022? Mm-hmm. And I got home. And so it's taken me 12 years to get to a point where, um, you know, I can accept the fact that I have to go to the grocery store and not, like, physically be ill for, from it. So, Even though now, now my girlfriend kind of goes shopping for me now, so uh, yeah. So you would just work yourself up into this panic state, knowing like, "Fuck, I've got to, I got to go to the grocery store. I got, I need I, food. I got to get groceries. I need food. I got to get groceries." I, I would actually go early in the morning. Just go nobody early. there. Yeah, I'd like six thirty, seven a.m. Or I'd go later at night, probably seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. Sometimes I had to go in the middle of the day, uh, whether it was like a cookout. I'd go with a buddy. And you got to remember, I was in college eight and a half years. So I did two years before Iraq, and I did six and a half years after I got home from Iraq. So uh, I always had someone around me, usually. Um, but uh, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, and I don't go to concerts. I, I tried going to concerts. When I got home, I went to Five Finger Death Punch. That was a horrible idea, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was an absolute horrible idea. Uh, or I, did a, I went to Corn concert. Uh, I don't go to concerts anymore. I just they 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 stress me out to the max. You want to see me absolutely just frustrated with life? <laughs> Take me to a concert. What is it um, about so, the concert? Is it the loud music? Is it the crowds? Is it the flashing lights? Crowds, hundred percent crowds. If you think about it, everywhere you go, what's uh, on a person? On a, on a person, what what can hurt you on a person? Well, yeah, and over there, fuck their, it, it could be their hands, hit, right? Their hands. So. Everywhere I go, you know, you're always looking at hands. And, and looking at hands is not necessarily a veteran thing. It's more of just a situational awareness, like you're just looking at hands. So if, but if you're in a dark place with strobing lights and a lot of people, it's hard to kind of focus on all that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I don't really like drunk people. Drunk people are just the worst people to deal with. Amen on um, that. That's true. They are just beyond frustrating. Um, so, and I have a career, you know, I have a career, I have a daughter, I have things to look forward to. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I have to defend myself and, you know, uh, in society, defending yourself is, uh, e- equates to 10 years in, in prison for attempted murder. You know what I mean? Like that's what they're going to charge you with. Oh, you have, you're a veteran with PTSD. You're not allowed to defend yourself. You just need to sit there and just take the ass kicking. Yeah. So it's all about thinking 10 steps ahead. It sucks. It really does suck. It sucks. But when when did you realize that you had PTSD? Was it immediately as soon as you got home or was it something that kind of built uh, as you as you progressed into civilian life? I want to say it was probably I got home in January, end of January 2010. So March, April, May time frame of 2010. That's when I started realizing that something isn't clicking. Um, and first suicide attempt was in that time. Uh, I tried holding my breath under a pillow. Um, that didn't work out very well. Um, Did you pass and out? And then, 
Almost. I was, I was, it was, I started seeing spots yeah. my, when I opened my eyes. Um, and then, uh, and then I went and got evaluated the VA, um, for everything. And then I, yeah. So right around that time, and there was something going on. And when you went to the VA, were they able to help you at all? Or is this something that you figured out? Did you basically, um, did you find your own remedy through, Pills, man. Pills. That's what they give you. That's what they, they give you. They just give you. They just be like, like here you go, take this. You yeah. should be. They gave me. I was think I uh, since 2010. I I was on. I I stopped in like 2018. I think it was. So eight years. I was on like four or five different types of anti-anxiety, depression meds, and then uh, melatonin and generic Benadryl to go to sleep. Did that? Um, has that fucked then, with your regular sleep cycle? The melatonin, or can't. Uh, or are you Gosh. still taking melatonin? No, I don't take so back in twenty eighteen, really quick, kinda give you like a little bit of a Quentin Tarantino version of the story. Sure. We're gonna jump back and forth here. Yeah, I like it. I I have dedicated my life to be staying active and working out real a lot, as mm-hmm. much as humanly possible. Um, because that helps while well, hunting, right? True. Um, so uh I actually back in twenty eighteen I stopped taking my VA meds. And I work out, and I actually feel 100% better. I take 3,000 IUs of uh, vitamin D. Um, I have a sleep app machine. Uh, and my sleep is you know, hit and miss with sleep app, but I'm getting more consistent sleep than I was with the melatonin. Um, so uh, the pills, they made me feel like a robot. I didn't feel happy. Um, and uh, it was just not a good, good thing for me. Yeah, I've heard, <clears throat> I've heard of that a lot with people that take a lot of these pills. It's they don't feel anything. They don't feel happy. They don't feel sad. They don't feel upset. They just they're at sixty five percent. What is at the, everything? What is the actual pill? Oh shit! I don't. That's, was, okay. That's one okay. of them. One of them was called fluoxetine. I know that one. One of them was fluoxetine. So that was one. Um, and and they, there was they had there was another whole one. host of them. Well, yeah, you couldn't mix them. So this was this was after this was right in the middle, and after there was a Marine Corps veteran that was given um, some pills, and they mixed them and they killed them. Um, and he was actually one of the scout snipers that peed on the Taliban's bodies. Um, uh, so if you remember that story, uh, so he was actually the VA actually prescribed the meds that shouldn't have been mixed, mm-hmm. and that's that's what killed him uh, from the report that I saw. So then now they have a system where you can't prescribe certain meds because it would mix and it would kill you. Um, and a big old red screen would come down on the screen. Um, so yeah, fluoxetine and something else, but yeah, there was a, there was a cocktail going on there. We call it the VA cocktail and I've, I've gone away from that and, uh, I'm in a way better headspace as of right now. So, I mean, what could they do differently? Because you, you see this so many times, people come home and then they get on this, this VA cocktail and that just, that just speeds up the downhill spiral. But at the same time, I wonder what percentage of people, the pills actually help. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. And you know, I, some people actually benefit from right. the VA and, and the medicine. Um, I am more of a, um, alternative holistic type, mm-hmm. uh, person that likes to, you know, ther- uh, outdoor therapy, hunting therapy, um, archery therapy, um, I'll be honest with you when, if I'm turkey hunting or if I'm duck hunting or whatever like that, and I'm sitting in a blind or whatever like that, and I'm shooting my gun and hanging out with the boys or, or ladies, sure. um, 
I am the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. It's way happier than sitting in a, a, a room with some stranger talking about my, my feelings. And granted, here's the deal. That works for some people. Some people thrive from that. And that's great. Not me. That's not happening. Sorry. I bring the therapist with me duck hunting. Right. We'll, we'll get we'll get we'll get some more shit done that way. Well, I mean, it, you just see that with the pharmaceutical industry the way it is, it, you know, they just they they're pill happy with everything. Oh, you're you're depressed, pill for this. You got the shits, pill for this. You're you're too you're too excited here. Here's a pill to bring you down a little bit. The doctors instead get paid. of just people just just like you said, like work out in the morning. Get out, get some sunlight. Go for a walk in nature. Yeah, man. Ninety percent of you eat yeah. real fucking food. Get away from processed yeah. food. Yeah. Go like, go get get a burrito. Touch the grass. Yeah. Get outside. Just. Yeah. But 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 like Jeff said, there's such an incentive on the part of the doctors to hand out these pills. Yeah, you, you went to a doctor in the seventies, fifties, thirties, twenties. I don't know when, but when you went to a doctor back then, he actually cared about your health. I mean, he was a. He yeah. he was a member of the country he a, club. He, he was going to drink. Relationship with it, you. Yeah, but he he knew you. You were you know, and I don't. I'm sure they were passing some pills to him at the times to try to push, but there wasn't an incentive. Like flor, fluoraxetine is Prozac, is what that is. I looked it up. <clears throat> Prozac is probably owned by Pfizer, if I'm guessing. Probably. And Pfizer is paying a doctor. We'll give you. 20 bucks every time you subscribe or prescribe this medicine to somebody they're charging $300 to an insurance company so it's all they don't care about the person it's just something to control people and that's what it's about and you're right going to a duck blind or whatever you do play golf get outside socialize and get out of the fucking room there is nothing worse than people being cooped up and this this uh the pandemic this, the pandemic has been horrible for people what has there been any research done as to what this pandemic and and forced isolation has done to veterans that are that are fighting these battles so from what i heard um especially in my fellow vets that work in the uh, suicide um the veteran suicide community, which I hate to even admit that there is a, a community like that, right. uh, which is awful. Uh, there is there. It was pretty detrimental for veterans in, in general, not just, you know, you got to look at holistically. You got to look at everybody in general, not just veterans. I mean, sure. the pandemic was brutal for everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, but if you if you take away the subsects of society, looking at veterans, you're looking at teachers, you're looking at, you know, uh, people, uh, you know, people that are always out and about it was pretty bad for a lot of people, you know, and people probably turned into introverts real quick. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, I don't know statistics. I don't know. I don't have any data for you, but I, from what I heard, it was pretty bad. Um, and, uh, they had to, uh, take it pretty seriously. So, well, it, these are people that have got real problems. We're talking about the veterans. Look what it's done to the kids. They showed a student study yeah. the other day of kids that are like under four years old, there's, there's a big portion of those children in the big cities that have never been around any other kids. They were a year old when it happened, so for two years they were locked down. They haven't been to kids' birthday parties, any of the social stuff that kids have. So it, 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 it's been horrible for our whole system, but you, especially you got these people that get locked in a freaking room. People need to get out and get about. And I wonder if – I know there's there's been studies done, but the guys that come back from World War II, war is – the same whether you were in iraq afghanistan or you were at the battle of the bulge you went through the same kind of shit or in a foxhole in the trenches in world war one what the difference is on how much more suicide and problems we had after those the desert storm wars as opposed to world war ii 
I wonder, because back then, people just had to go back and go to work. They didn't have all the programs set right. up. And I'm wondering if it wasn't better for people to have to get into society and start being around people more. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know where, where the trend kind of veered hard left on, uh, on this stuff. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's upsetting, you know, and if you, if you, I hate to use this analogy, but it, uh, it, it, it kind of fits is that, you know, we get, we have these men and women that serve our country in, in many various capacities and they do many different things. Everyone's different. Everyone's story is, is different. And, you know, they, they leave the mill and they're, you know, they're given their discharge paperwork and, you know, hey, you know, they they get a week long course on how to transition and how to find a job, which is straight trash. Um, but then they go off into the world and they're on their own. But then yet we have uh, f- uh, former felons and convicts that have probation and parole officers that check in on them. Okay. So in a way that they're they're case managed, whereas veterans aren't even case managed. So it's kind of. I understand why I was in the law enforcement field for like a minute. Um, and I understand why they're case managed because they have to, it's, it's a court ordered thing, but I, I don't understand why, you know, Hey, maybe we should take a little bit more, uh, you know, below surface level approach to making sure our men and women are, you know, Hey, you know, we've been set out six months, you in college, you work in X, Y, Z. They're trying to roll something out. I think it's called ETS. Uh, I don't know what it stands for. I've read into it. It's I think it's trash um, because it, anybody could be uh, an ETS person to help veterans. You don't even have to be a veteran. Anybody could do it. But the problem is, like, what are your problems? Like, and if you're a veteran, are you going to reflect your problems onto this other person that's getting out of the military? So there is a slew of holes in this program. Um, so I can go off on a tangent on that one. But I don't want to put you guys to sleep. No, I, I would like to see – our politicians stand up and say, hey, instead of asking for $33 billion to funnel some money to Ukraine so we can wash it and send it back over here to politicians, let's take $5 billion. Let's give it to the VA. Let's let us start paying these doctors that are leaving the military and pay them to help the people at the hospitals and give us top-notch I, surgeons. I, I agree. I, Jeff, I 100% agree with you, but... Uh, it, I forgot what hospital it was. It was a newer VA. You can look it up. I think they spent an astronomical amount of money on artwork for the main lobby. Yeah, that's bullshit. Right. See, look, look. I uh, you could probably Google it. Look up like VA uh, artwork costs, maybe or something. Google that or something. Like, be real generic in what you search. But they spent a stupid amount of money on stuff for the lobby, and it was like thirty-three grand for some stupid painting or whatever like that. It was. It was bad. No, and, more than you that. Know, Twenty million dollars. See, I, I, I butchered it. Yeah, but see, that's what that's, I'm saying. They could there's take, another one. Another one spent uh, six point three million dollars. They need to hire Andy's wife to take care of that because she's good with money. And you need right. to have somebody like that that's over it and says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're supposed to be helping the veterans here. It's not worried about a damn. You, you, you can go down sure. to a damn flea market and buy some some art to put up." Hey, you can put right. Terry Redland prints up there and spend a lot less money and have shit people want to look at. But that just that's just that's the problem with this might sound crude, but a lot of these organizations are mismanaged and it all gets funneled back to the same set of hands. Yes, there, somebody that's a politician has got a kid that's in the art business that probably had a big commission on this deal. It's probably exactly how it worked out. 
The Kennedy yep. Center is a perfect example. Every time there's a stimulus money, the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. is included. I don't give two fucks if the people in Washington, D.C. get to go to a fucking concert and see Billy Joel. Could care less. But they give them money all the time. Guess who the VA gives donations to? The Democratic Party. So, see, that's bullshit the way it goes. But that, that's too bad because we need to fix the VAs. And let's, let's spend them billions of dollars at our VA and let's give our soldiers the best medical care that you can get anywhere. And there's no reason why we can't do that. I would prefer being able to go to a private doctor. Sure. And just, just keep the VA hospitals. Yeah. Keep them. I think they, they do serve a purpose and there are good people. Um, the thing is, like, we can't vil- vilify everybody at the VA. Exactly. Um, but I think as a, as a whole, there are giant holes in the VA. But I would much rather see, you know, you got to remember there's veterans that live in very rural areas of this country and they have to drive sometimes two or three plus hours just to go to one way to the VA. And um, I think that's unacceptable. So I think what we need to do is we need to privatize uh, VA healthcare and allow them to go to their local hospitals or their local caregivers and improve that quality of life because the quality of life for some veterans is absolute dog shit. And I've traveled the entire state of Wisconsin many times over. I have been to veterans' houses that live in really nice houses, and I've been to veterans that live in trailer parks with giant holes in the wall, and they answer the door with a shotgun, wondering what the fuck you're doing there. You know what I mean? So we have to change something. There is the Accountability Act of the VA, and you know that, that started you know getting rid of people from the top down, not the bottom up. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's just kind of my two cents uh about the va what Um, does it take to get to go to a private doctor because out here if 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 someone in knox city's a veteran and they had to go to the va they have to go to big spring which is two hours away yeah and that's so the va has what's uh they have community care so community care is you 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 can go to a private so like uh so my appointment today uh at 11 uh ish i mean i can always swing it but it's a with a chiropractor so it's a it's a private family-owned chiropractor and I just tell the VA, hey, you know, and I live in a not so good area and there's no chiropractor. And so they'll pay a private physician for chiropractor for me. Uh, same thing with mental health. Uh, because of my positions I've had with the state and the federal government when I worked for the Pentagon, I can't I don't I can't be seen at the VA because of conflict of interest because I've worked with them on other cases with veterans. So that's why there's a conflict of interest of me going to the VA for mental health services. So I get to go to a private facility, um, which is which is better. And they treat and there's coffee. There's really good coffee. So, so it's, it's what did you do? We'll start wrapping up because it, we're getting close to eleven. What did you do for the for the Pentagon? So I worked for a program called Citizen Soldier for Life. It was a uh, program for National Guard veterans and families with employment services specifically um, and transitioning. Then um, this was this was after I worked for the Wisconsin Department of Veterans Affairs. I worked in a program called the Veteran Outreach and Recovery Program, and that was uh, traveling my seven counties and most of the rest of the state helping veterans that are homeless with uh, diagnosed mental illness, um, and they lived in rural areas, and bringing them services and being familiar with all the programs and services in the state of Wisconsin, uh, and being familiar with what programs would accept veterans depending on their discharge. A lot of people think veterans are eligible for all the programs in the world, but their discharge will determine what they're eligible for. So knowing what programs will take a uh, other than honorable discharge or under honorable conditions or a general discharge. Um, we have a veteran right now in the local area that's been on tons of hunts and she has an uncharacterized entry level discharge. And that's actually technically under state law. That's she's not a veteran. 
What does that mean? So, I don't understand. Unca- yes. So uncharacterized entry-level discharge means that they didn't finish basic training. They only right. serve 62. They only serve, you know, how many, however long, <laughs> and they get discharged before graduating basic training. But because they have a DD-214, the VA looks at them as a veteran. So and she, they get a veteran is, card. Is she fleecing these people then? Oh, this is this is all brand new stuff, man. We're, we're this. I'm only three days into this one, so uh, yeah. She's, so she didn't uh, even yeah, go so through th- basic training. She's going on all these hunts that are designated for veterans. She's pretending to be a veteran, but she didn't even make it. She was washed out of basic training. I should not have asked you this question with five minutes to to of your time. Yeah, man. This is uh this is more of like an off offshore conversation right. where we're dealing with this. We're dealing this with it right now, actually. This is all within the last couple of days we're figuring this out. And she's been doing this for twenty years. Oh geez. this shit goes on all the time though. That's why guys like me, and this sounds horrible, I get calls yeah. from um, organizations all the time for I'll just use the word wounded warrior because that's the main name everybody knows about. But there's a thousand foundations like that. And it really stinks when you hear about stuff like this because then it makes you wonder how many good guys are getting left out of getting to do something to help them because of someone like her scams someone and they don't want no part of it anymore. And that's that's the sad thing about the whole deal. Stolen valor is a very common thing in our veteran community. And uh, if you receive any tangible benefit, it's a felony. Um, So, But the thing is, the Supreme Court ruled that freedom of speech is freedom of speech. So anybody could go around telling them that they're a veteran and stuff like that. Uh, they ruled on it, but if they receive anything, a cup of coffee, right. anything, it is yeah. a felony. Um, and uh, um, I actually, if you guys Google it, unfortunately, I hate this story, but uh, back in 2015, I was actually kicked out of school because I called out a stolen Valor guy in grad school. So if you look up my name, Ryan Lonergan, George Williams College, I was kicked out of school because the guy was going around college telling he was in the Marine Corps and I was kicked out of grad school for two weeks. This is all public knowledge. I have all of the paperwork. And uh, so they punished me because I I said something to him in the cafeteria. And I was actually really nice about it. Like, people defended me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's such a ass-backwards uh, situation. Um, but uh, I love veterans. I love helping them. And I love what you guys are doing. Um, and I love hunting. Um, so uh, it's just uh, you look at where you were 10 years ago in life. And I look at where I'm at now. Um, I'm in such a better position, uh, a, a position of my friends tell me of influence and in purpose. And that's what I'm kind of all about is trying to get people into uh, the outdoors and giving back, you know, so. So my last question for you, has helping other people assisted in your recovery? Oh, yeah. Were you still oh. fighting demons and battles before your before your your uh, before this was laid on you? Yeah. Every every day, um, you know, I'm pushing a boulder up a hill, I guess is the best way to put it. There's some type of boulder people are pushing up a hill. Um, so there's demons every day. I have my good days and I have my bad days. Um, but making an impact, I don't care what the impact is. Like every I full time right now for I work for a nonprofit and I write resumes for veterans and I help them get jobs. Right now, I'm sitting at 34 hires for the year right now. I've gotten 34 veterans jobs or active service members jobs. Last year it was like 90 something. And they'll call me up and they'll just be like, hey, Ryan, thanks so much for helping me out with that resume or thanks for helping me with that interview or whatever it is. Or, hey, Ryan, thanks for helping me find funding for a car battery for my car. Mm-hmm. It's those small things. It's those small little details that are helping impact that quality of life. Because if you think about it, not having a battery or not having a resume could be the reason to a um, man or woman veteran killing themselves. Right. 
and I and if I have the ability and the and experience and the knowledge to prevent that, then I'm going to do that because I I don't think the small thing should be the 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 downfall of an individual. There's incredible humans out there doing incredible work, and sometimes we fall in hard times. And I have built such a great network, and if I can change the ecosystem in which we we live in, even if it's some I hate to say it, sometimes it is money, but sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes it's information. Sometimes it's uh, just just being uh, just being there to listen. You know, we have two ears and one mouth, so that means we need to listen twice as much as we talk. Yeah, and I don't think we're doing that. Uh, so, well, listen, we uh, we really appreciate your time. It is we're right at eleven o'clock, so you gotta get out of here. You gotta get your back cracked and uh, all that yeah. other good stuff. Um, if there's anything we could ever do for you in the future, please uh, don't hesitate to ask. And it's been uh, we'd love to have you on and talk to you a little bit more about uh, you getting kicked out of grad school. Yeah, I would love to. We should probably try to do like a swap cast on my on my podcast. That'd be great. We can probably we try to interview each other on uh, on both on the same platform. So that'd be awesome. I don't okay. think our story is near as good as yours. No, I can no, tell you that no. much. We no, no, no. We appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, have a great day, and thank you for what you do for our veterans. And thank you for Thanks. the time you did for us being a veteran. It, you, you guys are all worth it. Thanks very much. Right. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Wisconsin has got a lot of interesting people. Yeah. And Dan Reese is not one of them. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to cancel this out. There it goes. Um, yeah, Wisconsin's a great state. And let me tell you, if we go the next 120 days with it being in triple digits, we're going to move to Wisconsin. I might fucking relocate because this is horrible. If you could pick anywhere in the United States to move to, where would it be? In the United States? In the United States. Well, I wouldn't live anywhere else. You wouldn't? No. You wouldn't go to Abu Dhabi? No, hell no. I wouldn't go nowhere. Fuck no, it's hot here. It's uh, real hot there. No, I would It rains every day over there, though. Cloud seeding. I would not go anywhere else. That's, what, that's what's so interesting about COVID is like a lot of these places that people were like, oh, yeah, if I could move there, I would. And now it's like, oh, fuck, would you go to Australia now? Would you go to New Zealand? I never wanted to go there anyways. New Zealand would have been pretty cool to see it, but not, I don't. But, I mean, you think about like all these other places to Americans, I understand. Scotland is the only place I would like to go to. Scotland is, I mean, it's fucking locked down. And I, Are you sure? I'm pretty positive. I I'm think pretty you're sure. talking out of your no, ass. No, I'm not. Hold on. Let me, let me pull this up. But I'm pretty sure... I think you get Russia. I think you're getting China locked down with Scotland. I don't know, but Scotland, the highlands of Scotland, are one of the few places I would. Really, I don't know if I'd want to move there. I've never been there, but I would like to really see the beaches in Normandy. I'd like to go to, but that's more historical. But the the, the highlands of Scotland look like a really interesting, cool place, and it's not real hot right now. Because I mean, I think they're playing by the same rules as like just the UK in general. I didn't think the UK was on any rules. They're they're all opened up. Let me see. They opened up before we did. They took mask off airplanes and everything. BBC. From 1 May, that's how they talk over there in Scotland, uh, public health advice is to stay at home if you feel unwell and have a fever. The health services... Same thing they tell you here. Same thing they tell you here. Now, I, don't think they're, I don't think they're on any kind of lockdowns at all. I think the only place in the world right now locked down is uh, going to be California, New York City, and Shanghai. That'll all... That'll all ramp up whenever... October. Yep. ...come around. Democrats are desperate. Lockdowns... Uh, I, I can't find anything. I am Maybe a not. firm, 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 firm believer. So, yeah, Scotland. Scotland would be the other place, but. That, that's where I would like to go. If I could live anywhere in the United States, I always say I would like to live on the East Coast, and I would. But I, the upper Midwest I would take. Um, 
Wisconsin would Duluth, be Duluth, Minnesota, back to Green Bay, all along the upper banks of the of Lake Superior. I would like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't could, know if I can handle the politics of the Northeast. That that's the only problem I wouldn't like. But when you get into them them areas in 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 Wisconsin, Wisconsin is a red state that that, that somehow blue, but like everything else. But you get away from the big cities in Milwaukee, and everybody's the same. Same with Minnesota. I wouldn't want to go west. I don't think. I don't think I'd want Idaho, to go west. Uh, Eastern Washington, Spokompton, that area would be really nice. I don't think I want to go west. But go I'd, straight north. Or I don't want to live in the mountains. Montana, I could live in. Alex Langbell's got a beautiful place where he's living now, he does. and I, and and I could handle that. But I do not want to. I, the Northeast, I absolutely love. It's beautiful, but them fucking liberal fuckers, I couldn't live with them, most of them. But and, I think if you get to small towns, it probably isn't that bad. But I don't know if they're like liberal. In the sense that it's they're not liberal from any sort of experience. It, they're liberal because they because their grandma was because their grandma was yes. So they would be very Republican if they saw some of the some of the shit that a lot of people have to put up with. Yeah, we're lucky because I mean you know the population is mainly white. Yeah, that's what's funny is they're they're for everything in the world and they're all white people. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, they've they never been exposed. They haven't had a, you know, this. They they don't see crime. Did, did you see the ladies, the two black ladies that went in the Eckerd or somewhere and Bastard Dan was stealing all the drugs out of the deal? Mm-mm. I did see Louis Vuitton got looted. I don't understand how a store owner keeps from shooting the shit out of them people. Probably because he doesn't want to go to jail for fifty years. And that's bullshit. They're stealing from you. You ought to have the right to d- to defend your property. I just, what did I, they do to that guy in L.A. during the L.A. riots? The, the China, Chinese the guys? Guy. Did I don't he think they did anything. But it was a different time. But everybody's a victim now. You know, your kid comes in and steals something, and then, well, he shouldn't be shot for that. Yeah, he should. Get a J-O-B. Wait, I'm telling you right now, I feel sorry for my grandkids because the world that they're going to grow up in or they're going to live in as adults is a thousand times worse than the world I grew up in as an adult because things are going downhill very, very fast. I mean, everybody asks for something all the time. People don't have any problem getting on Facebook or any social media and asking for money. You know, not and and, I, and I'm not talking about for legit reasons. GoFundMe shut down, and damn, some people had an eight year old kid had cancer in their raising. They took it down, hmm. but then they'll have some abortion deal that just I this whole and this abortion thing with these Supreme Court justices. Now I've read that's not that it was just a leak. It's not, it's, they're it's, not doing anything. It's a leak of the document that he wrote already. I don't think they were going to release it for a while. I don't, I don't understand how that worked. My problem is, is going to these justices' houses and, and, and intimidating them. Right. Well, that's an insurrection as much as January 6th was. Somebody opened the doors on January 6th and let all them people in. It was a set-up deal. But, you know, that's the, that's the left side on everything. Well, here's, here's this. This is going to shock you. I'll pull it up. This is according to the Florida Agency for Health Care for Healthcare Administration. So, they've been telling us all along that reversing Roe v. Wade is going to kill the poor minority, basically. They're not going to have adequate health care. And they also say that if your life is in danger, you should be able to get an abortion. Here are the statistics according to the Florida Agency for Healthcare Administration from 2015. 
point z okay so it's point zero zero one pregnancies resulted from incestuous relationship so we all know what incest is yep um point zero six five the women's uh life was endangered uh let's see point six 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 there was a serious uh fetal abnormality the child wouldn't have been viable six and six percent poor people poor people 92.3%. It was an elective operation. Fucking for fun. 0.085. The woman was raped. So, listen. I believe that if you are raped or if you've raped by your brother, less than 1%. No, no, no. You add all those together and you're going to be about 1%. Oh, I see what you mean. If you you take the pregnancy results, if you take everything, if you take everything into account other than being poor and just, I got. Yeah. 99% 99% of all abortions are an easy way out. Bottom well, not, line. Well, not 99. Yes, it is. 96.26 and 92. That's poor. That's the easy way out. Yeah, but I don't know what. How many fucking I don't people know, have kids? I don't know what kind of poor that is. Is that I'm living with whole, I'm living on the side of the street kind of poor, or is that? You shouldn't be having sex then. Jeff, that's 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 not that's not ninety. That doesn't help the conversation. Ninety nine percent of the people that have abortions are doing are taking it. it the easy way out. One percent it shows. Right. One percent of the yes. abortions out there are legit that you really got to think about. But ninety nine percent of listen, if you're poor and you're getting an abortion because you're poor, put the kid up for adoption. Someone will adopt the baby. I don't, Jeff. The adoption system, and you look at the trauma that that in, induces. I don't know. I don't, listen. I don't have an answer for any of this. I think that if uh, I, I think, don't think anybody does. I think that this is if this is a decision that a woman has sought counsel for, and she really does not feel like she she could be a good mother. But I don't feel like we should say, well, you shouldn't be having sex because everybody's having sex. I, I understand that. That's just a But a here's the point. other thing. Contraception, it's not the fucking 1700s. It is very, very easy to go get on the pill. That's not difficult. And it doesn't cost any... If you're poor, the pill is free. If you go to Planned Parenthood, the pill's free. Yeah. It might be a dollar. I don't know. But contraception is very, very easy to come by. It is... I would... I think... You're just fucking lazy. It's an easy way out. Now, let me ask you this. But I'm not pretending like I have all the answers on this. I don't think nobody does. This is a very complex issue that should be thought about. And it's a personal issue. But if they they turn back Roe v. Wade. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's up to the state, though. Is that right? I, I don't know. How many people... Have a fucking abortion that we run into every day. That they, these these women are acting like they have an abortion every week. Right. I mean, they're just like, oh my god, my life's over. Had I have an abortion? Time to wear a condom. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it just. And I saw. I don't a liberal, have an answer. I saw but, a liberal woman yesterday that said men shouldn't even have a right to do it. Well, hold on now. One deal you says that a man can be a woman. Now a man shouldn't even have a say so on a woman having an abortion. According to the World World Health Organization, which whatever, there are approximately 125,000 abortions per day in the United States or worldwide. Let me look at this. This one. It, it is a it is a social issue that I still I don't think gay marriage, I don't think abortion, and I don't think transgender should be part of a presidential platform or. 
I just I don't. I think that's it's just it's just an excuse to get voters. Is all, and that's what this is all about. This leak is all about trying to get the Democrats because they know they're in trouble. Is right. they can play a social deal like that's the world, oh my gosh that's, that's in the world. Did you see the the Did you see the study by Harvard on the kids not being in schools? No. They have they released a study today this morning. I read it on the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. I can't remember which one it was that said kids that go to school that did not weren't weren't out of school more than a couple of months, mm-hmm. Texas and Florida are the states they use as example. The demographics and the race differences did not show that much difference between rich kids and poor kids. Right. The states like Illinois and California that have been shut down and locked down for two years and the kids hadn't been in class, there are still places that the kids are not going to school yet. Right. Those kids, they said, oh, there's a huge split between the rich kids and the minority kids and the poor kids or, or the, the the minority split and the rich and the poor i should make sure i say that right because that sounded racist but those those kids they say there's a huge difference in the education that they've had these kids are so far behind i believe it the blue states kids are way 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 behind right now let me find this um so this says abortion the u.s abortion rate continues to drop once again state abortion restrictions are not the main driver Abortion restrictions were not the main driver of decline in the United States of the abortion rate between 2011 and 2017. There's another thing that I saw. The number of abortions fell by 200,000, we'll call it, a 19% decline from 1 million abortions. What? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. A decline from 1 million abortions in 2011 to 850,000. It was a little bit over, but... Um, the abortion rate fell by 20%. So there was also a study that I had seen. So kids are not having sex as much as they used to. Well, I told you kids are screwed up today. Well, yeah, but they're not. Uh, if you look at teen pregnancy, teen pregnancy is just through the floor. There's more 30-year-olds that don't have children than there are 30-year-olds with children. So... Once again, we're talking about a minority of the population that so birth even birth rates are declining. Oh, they're going through the floor. They we're way below and teen pregnancy also. We are the United States. Any any civilized country, and this is what Elon has been preaching. Um, we are way below replacement. Way below, in the United States, they said that in Japan, it, by the end of the century, Japan probably won't even be a country anymore. That's how far behind they are in um, their birth rate versus the death rate. I wonder if Mexico is down. Um, I can look it up. I, w- I would be curious to see some co- a country like that that's population has exploded over the last because they're Catholics, right? So they don't and, believe in and they're, they're in their third world country. Um, is Mexico below replacement birth? We'll just we'll just do it a Google. Uh, what we appear to be seeing is a global convergence around fertility rates around 1.6 to 1.7 children. This is not a this is not just a rich world phenomenon. Birth rates in Mexico are around 1.9 and two kids per woman, so below the rate needed to sustain Mexico's current. So they're population. they're going down too. They are also below. Everybody, you look worldwide. It's a worldwide trend. We are way below replacement. I don't understand the kids, teenagers, not having sex anymore. 
video well, games, Jeff. AI. I've never played a damn video game that was as good as having sex. I mean, I don't know. We had we had Frogger and Atari. I'm trying to look because I shared. I and I'm gonna tell you right now, Frogger don't equal up to boobies. Mm-mm. I shared an article not long ago, and I can't find. Oh, here it is. Maybe. Okay, teen birth rate in the United States is at a record low, dropping below 18 births per thousand girls and women aging 15 to 19 for the first time since the government began collecting data. Uh, in 2018, the birth rate, so I'll try to pull this up. So me thinking kids are being more responsible don't have nothing to do with it. They're just not having sex. I don't I, They don't know what is going on, but teen birth rate, here it is. Here's a chart. I really find this shit fascinating. Most people probably give a shit less. There's the there's a teen birth rate right there. Boy, it is way off since the sixties. So baby boomers, ninety six percent were a, now a, 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 to now, teen pregnancy. Ho, ho, hold on, All right now, in nineteen that was nineteen fifty eight, nineteen fifty. Call it nineteen sixty. Nineteen sixty. There, a lot of these teen birth rate are nineteen year old, nineteen year old girls that were married. I would understand that. So I would go so with that. so that that I would be interested to see unwed teen moms pregnancies how far it's on but there's no doubt it's way 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 down from 96 percent to 17 like 61 percent 1990 to 17 now that's even a, a bigger blip, fall but y'all were probably y'all just going mad back then. Like there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of hair bands playing having big time concerts back then that was also aids wasn't it 19 around that time if you were having sex with women you weren't really worried i can honestly tell you i never went out and thought man when did Magic Johnson con- contract AIDS? Probably 1990. So right around that time. 1990, 92. There was a lot more. Somewhere. There was. Well, I wonder what happened right there socially. That everybody, because I know what happened here. The, Maybe you're the, proving you weren't having AIDS. So you the birth control, sex. the birth control right here kind of got invented, and the hippie movement started. So everybody started fucking one another. So that's why you kind of see that little up. Uptick I, I don't. There. I don't understand. And why. in the 70s, right there, women quit shaving their armpits, and they, you know. We got Woodstock and everything, so you got a little uptick right there. But I wonder what happened right there in 1992-ish. And then we had another one about the time that I graduated in 2000, late 2006-2010. But since then, it's just... That is crazy. 96 percentile in 1960 to 17% now. now. God almighty. I'll tell you what the problem is. I just figured out what's wrong with the world right now. All the smart people quit having fucking kids. Yes, that is. That's the problem is that all the fucking Democrats have been banging away like crazy. They're out fucking us. That's the problem. Well, and if you look at that, so, like I said, more 30-year-olds do not have children than 30-year-olds have children. So, parents are fucking tired by the time they have a kid. How old are you? 34. Okay, we ate dinner at your house last night. Yeah. Your boys are pretty active. Very active. Could you imagine if y'all had a couple more? No. But, you know, you talk about how great this generation was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Parents were also fucking only 20 years old when they had a kid. They could go do all this shit. Well, I'm mom, 35 and fucking tired. Moms didn't work back then much. Right. Dad went to work. Mom took care of the household and the kids. Dad came home. He had dinner ready. and It was a pretty good life. Yeah. And they could make a good living without having to have two incomes. Then the women started working, and then things started going down. Because she's like, fuck, I ain't getting knocked up. I can make money working. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that has got a little bit to do with it, too. Well, and that, that, that directly corresponds. They say you can, you can predict how many children a woman will have based on her IQ level. 
smarter women get, <clears throat> the less kids they have. <laughs> Your mom's I, got three. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, if you, if you look at the 40s, 50s, and 60s when women were not educated, they'd pop out four or five kids. It was so not uncommon. Philip Rivers' wife has nine. Is she dumb? Probably dumb as a box. She probably can't even spell her name. Can't spell C. Can't spell cat if you spot her with a C and the T. You know, you think about someone like them though. I love kids. Yeah, I think it would be neat to have a big family like that. Now, when you're going to afford a family like that, right? You know, the average person can't afford to have two kids. You know, I. I it breaks my heart to see people not be able to afford to do things because of, the, of how things, the cost of things in the world right now. Um, but you know what's funny is Blake. We were talking about this during hunting season, and Blake said they keep telling them that there's not going to be enough food for everybody because the population is just going to explode, and that's not at all what no, this is saying. No, I don't, I don't Looking at that. those numbers, it might be easy to assume the human population will just keep expanding, but in reality, it's very different. Global average fertility rate have dropped by over half over the last 50 years from five children per woman in 1968 to just 2.5 in 2017. If I've learned anything from the pandemic, it's that we need to start going back to made in America. It's the biggest problem in the world right now is everybody's relying on China and they're shut down again. Right. That's the issue. When you start making stuff in America, pay a little bit more money, have it made in America, everybody be better off. That's what we need to go to. All right, let's get out of here. We got to get off of here anyways. Oh, we got to get out of here anyways. It's fucking hot. I'm sweating. God bless y'all. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Go check out all of our wonderful sponsors. Go check out Lucky Duck. Check out Dirty Duck Coffee, the Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast, Gun Dog Outdoors, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Bangtail Whiskey, Dirty Duck Coffee, Shin Gear Waiters, Pacific Calls, Boss Shot Shells, Dive Bomb Industries, and Alpha Outdoors. <laughs>